Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to take a look at a Disneyland attraction that was an original attraction that became a Walt Disney World attraction along the way and also moved to Tokyo Disneyland. That attraction I'm talking about is the Golden Horseshoe. So Walt Disney always had a fascination with the Old West. And he remembered some of the places that were in and around Kansas City that were saloons or old-timey type places that were evocative of the memory of the Old West. And so when he built Disneyland, one thing he had in mind was to create this area that was frontier land that would commemorate the Old West. He had an idea for a whole expedition hoe type thing where he would do these different uh, Western theme parts that would extend on the idea. And though that never came to fruition, one of the things he did was to put a saloon in. And the saloon was called the Golden Horseshoe. Now, of course, the saloon in Disneyland didn't actually serve alcohol, but it had the feel of a real saloon. He actually had it made to look like and resemble a saloon like he would have seen in the Old West. And so it was called the Golden Horseshoe Saloon. And there was a really interesting concept he came up with there to do a show. And the show would be evocative of the kinds of shows that might have gone on in the saloons in the 1800s. And so he, he put together a show. And the show was called The Golden Horseshoe Review. And it featured, it featured some can-can girls. Uh, the owner and proprietor of the bar, uh, the saloon, uh, one Slewfoot Sue. And then a cast of characters that would come on and do different parts of the show. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the characters he had come on was Pecos Bill. Now, Pecos Bill kind of drew from some imaginative things Walt was doing in the 1950s uh, when he was doing some of his animations. He had the legend of Pecos Bill and some other things that he did. But he actually put the Pecos Bill character in there and kind of grew the idea to, to do some interesting things and, and create this show. So it was sort of like you might have seen in the 1800s. Look, I never saw one of those shows. I've obviously never seen video of it. So only from the legend and from the word of mouth, I've heard that the shows were something like what he put together here. So he got this, uh, got this idea for a show, and then they set about casting people to be in the show. And he found this actress by the name of Betty Taylor. Now, Betty was an interesting person. She had a lot of, uh, had done some acting credits and some other things over the years. But then Disney hired her to come in and be Slewfoot Sue. And interestingly, she wound up doing the show for 31 years. So she started in 1955, retired in 1987-ish. I think it might have been early 87. And she actually wound up doing the show for 31 years. And she did over 45,000 shows. The show went on five days a week. I think the show was seven days a week. She worked five. And they did something like five shows a day. So remarkable how many shows she did. And it's one of those things that's just incredible. She's a really remarkable person. She became a Disney legend uh, along the way. They honored her with that because she had gone on and done this show for so long and so well. She really was Lufut Sue. And if you've ever seen the video of 
the uh, golden horseshoe, you'll know exactly who she is right away. You'll see it and you'll go, oh, I know who that is. Because you've seen this. You know, you know it from perspective. The character and the caricature that she created was really good. So she was the main character. Then they also created the character of uh, Pecos Bill. Walt Disney himself had a hand in hiring the uh, person who played Pecos Bill. He was played by an actor by the name of Wally Bogue. Now, Wally also had an interesting history. He had a close personal connection with Walt Disney. Walt had seen him performing on stage outside of Disneyland and really took an interest in him and took a shine to him and hired him to do this particular performance, to, to play this character. And the character was really wonderful. He did a whole bunch of different things on stage and he was, he was pantomiming, he was acting, he was doing comedy, he was doing balloon animals. He did all kinds of things on the stage. And Walt Disney really loved that about him. Walt Disney always looked out for him and was always looking for new parts for him, new things for him. In fact, he uh, plays Jose in the Enchanted Tiki Room, just to give you perspective on who he is. Buenos dias. Buenos dias and caramba. Up here I am, up here in this here tipi canoe. I have a few thousand things in my feathered brain to tell you about Walt Disney's enchanted tiki room. First of all, right here below me, like underneath, wake up down there. Right here below me is the magic garden. This is where you can sit down on your tail feathers and rest the rest of you. And then you go inside, see, inside to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. It is the most amazing show in Disneyland. It is 17 minutes in all. The birds tell jokes, the flowers sing, the tikis chant, and my cousin Jose, he whistles and he croons, me, my, love. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sir. Quickly, quickly, take your time and hurry. Get your tickets to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. And it is air-conditioned. Oh, excuse me. I am allergic to feathers. Get your tickets to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Caramba, it is so exciting I forget how to talk. If you think that is easy, you should try it. Amigos, amigos down there. It is me up here. Amigos, Romans, and Disneylanders. Stop walking while I'm squawking. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. It is the world premiere of Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. It is fun. It is Disney entertainment at its most exciting best kind. It is on the inside, not the outside. That would be silly. In the Enchanted Tiki Room, you sit down on your feather dusters. Inside an air-conditioned theater, you watch more than 200 flowers, tikis, and all my relations. Those amazing birds, they come to life before your eyes. They talk, they whistle, they tell jokes, they sing memories, memories. 
What did you expect? The Vienna Boys Choir? If you think I have talent, wait till you see what's inside the tiki room. For 17 minutes, no one takes a siesta, especially the audience. You have to see it to believe it, and then you will not believe it. Wait till you hear the tikis do the Hawaiian war chant. See, that is what everyone is saying about Walt Disney's enchanted tiki room. You wait for the show right here below me in the magic garden where the gods and goddesses perform. And then, I said, and then you travel inside for the biggest show in Disneyland. Get your passports, I mean, get your tickets right over here for Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. This has been a recording. I do many impressions. I don't want to set the world on fire. But I think this kid behind me is carrying a big torch for somebody. Ah, back to business. Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. The show starts in just a few minutes. Step right over here and get your tickets. So Wally Bogue um, was an interesting guy. And uh, Wally inspired a lot of people. One of the people who talked well about Wally Bogue is Steve Martin, the comedian. Steve Martin said he had seen Wally Bogue perform at some point in the late 1950s and was so enamored with the style and the things he did that he actually created his own comedy act to sort of emulate what Wally Bogue was doing. So there was an influential part that Wally Bogue played in Steve Martin's career. And I find that kind of interesting. Wally also went on to perform for about 30 years uh, with the Walt Disney Company at the Golden Horseshoe primarily. And he actually, when Disney World opened, and Disney World opened something called the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon, which is modeled very similarly after the Golden Horseshoe, Wally actually came to Florida and worked for three years in Florida from 1971 to 1974, doing the same performance. So they actually took 99% of the show and moved it over to Florida. It has some variations in it, but it's mostly the same show that they did there. So... From 1955 until 1987 in uh, Disneyland, and from 1971 until 1987, they were doing the, the one show in both parks. Very similar show with Slewfoot Sue and, and uh, Pecos Bill and these different things. And then from 1987 until about 2000, and I think it was five or so, they had another show that they did that was called the Golden Horseshoe Jamboree and the Diamond Horseshoe Jamboree. And they were very similar, and they had a different character and a slightly different thematic thing. It was a host, there was a man uh, running the show, and he was actually doing something a little different, but it was kind of fun, and you know, they had a little fun with uh, him interacting with the crowd and doing some things and introducing acts very similarly. And some of the acts were very similar and very evocative. You would think they were the, it was the same show, and most people don't even notice, really, that there was a difference. If you only went there once or twice, you might not have even realized that it was the same show every single time. But a really interesting thing. And then when they opened Tokyo Disneyland in the 1980s, they actually came up with a, a version of it for Tokyo Disneyland that's similar with the uh, Western theming to it, though, of course, there's more Japanese mixed into it. Uh, there's a lot of English, but there's some Japanese mixed in. And uh, again, it's uh, Slewfoot Sue who manages the, uh, is the proprietor, and she brings on all the acts, and they do all these different things. Can Can Dancers, the whole nine yards. So kind of fun. They, they do the same kind of a thing in the show. It's really, really very similar. And I find that kind of neat that they actually kind of 
created this concept and were able to use it in three parks for the longest time. In about 2005 or so, they decided to, uh, to change the show again, and they both, uh, the one in, in Tokyo Disneyland is actually still running more or less as it was, but the other two have changed, Disneyland and Disney World, and are now different things. And uh, they've tried some different things in there. They had character meet and greets, dances with uh, different characters from like uh, Toy Story. And then they tried another show that was a similar dance hall type show. It's been hit or miss, and I actually don't know if it's even open currently. I know they've been retooling it and rethinking it, and they've done a couple of different uh, variations on a theme. But really kind of fun and interesting and, and uh, really kind of a neat place. Uh, one of the things about it was uh, early on, it was sort of a, it was set up like a saloon and they would come by and they would take like a drink order and they'd have some appetizers you could eat while you were watching the show. At some point it, began, it sort of took on a premium and you had to have a ticket for the show. Before that it was a walk-up show at both parks, both Disneyland and Disney World. You could walk up and just go in. Then they decided to ticket it so they would know that they were filling it to capacity. Then at some point they sort of had a menu that they'd actually serve and they'd come by and take sandwich orders and things like that. And then later they changed it again and evolved it into uh, something else uh, where there was different food options and so forth. Now the, the hall itself and all the parks is similar. There's a stage at one end and then there's floor seating where there's some tables and they're arranged sort of, you know, if you look at an old Western saloon uh, in videos and movies and whatever, it looks like that where it's just some tables set up facing it. And then there's a balcony level that wraps around the whole place that can look out at the stage as well. So there's just extra seating that's a level up, so you can use all your space available. Very cute and clever. It kind of evokes the idea of the Old West and the saloons. You know, there's a bar off to one side, even though it only serves non-alcoholic drinks. It's off to one side, and you can uh, you know, belly up to the bar and get something, or you can just wait for the service to come and get you. So kind of, kind of clever the way they set it up. Um, Walt was so fascinated by this place. Walt loved the Golden Horseshoe at Disneyland. He loved what he created there. In fact, he loved it so much that he hosted his 30th wedding anniversary at the Golden Horseshoe. Kind of an odd thing when you stop and think about it, but that's where he wanted to have it. He and Lillian celebrated their anniversary there with uh, family and friends and some guests, and uh, they, did the, they sat through the show. That's how interesting it was. That's how much he loved it. And uh, I just find that really interesting that Walt took that much enjoyment out of a show like that that was very simple. When you, when you go and you watch the videos of it and you, you, know, you listen to the audio, it's really kind of neat. Let's play the audio from the Slewfoot Slewfoot Shoe, <laughs> I can't even say it, the Slewfoot Sue production of the original version of the uh, Golden Horseshoe. Introduce Miss Betty Taylor. <laughs> 
everybody from Maine to California. This is the Golden Horseshoe. The show is mighty spicy. We thought we ought to warn you. April, June, and January, who's the guy we're gonna marry? If you are a stranger, just say howdy, stranger. We will soon be friends that way. The welcome man is out today at the Golden Horseshoe Cafe. Well, I'm Slewfoot Sue, and I'd like to welcome all of you to this gala occasion. And now, if a certain person is listening, wherever he may be, I have a message for him. about that chair, it's for one of our guest stars, a well-known personality of stage and screen, Jean Sheldon.
about a notorious romance of the Gaslight era. Just fell in here. Not much in the way of feathers, but a little color right there. That's all I can say. Roll the drums here now. Thank you very much, but uh, who are you? I'm Bill Bailey. I've come home. Oh, no, you're not. No, I'm Wally Bogue, that loud, long, lean, loquacious, sometimes laconic lunatic who loves to deal, delve, and dabble in delirious dialogue and dynamic dissertations, or in other words, I'm a traveling salesman. Oh, you have things to sell there. Well, why don't you show all those charming people out there exactly what you have to sell in that carpet bag? And I wish you luck. Okay, Foot Foot, I'll do the best I can. You're staring at me. Well, all together now, I, Joshua, I'm stagecoach from Chicago. Gotta catch a steamboat to St. Lou. I have a lot of things I want to sell you, so let's proceed with what we have to do. That rhyme with St. Lou, I hope. Why have you there? Well, I'll just take a look in my purse here and see what we have. Here we have the gambler's friend. This always makes a sale, and you make your fortune with these. They never fail. Look at here, Niagara Falls. From the Canadian side. Niagara Falls frozen. <laughs> Seven knots. Seven. Nobody sleeps while I'm on. Let's see what What have you there? This will never sell. Baby, Davy Crockett. What else you got? Here's an empty kite. Here's a show off now. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about a thing. You can worry a little now. I lose more balloons that way. Hey, Marv, you know the song entitled, When They Operated on Father, They Opened Mother's Mail. Chum, chum, chum. It was my father they operated on when they opened Mother's Mail. You folks don't care. Do you? Father cared. You see, the nurse, she... <laughs> I better not. Tell you what, chaps, I'll sing a song and you chaps string along because it's pretty. It's pretty bad. It goes something like this. When they Oh, it's so hot in here today. What'd you expect, feathers? <laughs> This is a Hollywood convertible. <laughs> and he looks so young. I heard you, madam. <laughs> All together now, I just got off stagecoach from Chicago. Silk and steamboat to St. Louis. Hope you like the things I had to sell you because I, uh, I, uh, I just finished. Thank you, Wally Bowles. And now, 
I'd like to tell you the story of the roughest, toughest, rootin' tootin' shootin'est cowboy in the Wild West. And incidentally, he's my boyfriend, Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill was quite a cowboy down in Texas. He was a western superman, to say the least. He was the roughest, toughest critter, never known to be a quitter, cause he never had no fearful man or beast. So if you are, you are, oh, the toughest critter west of the Alamo. on father. I got the fastest draw in the West. You want to see my fast draw? Yeah! Want to see it again? Once there was a drought that spread all over Texas. So to sunny California, he did go. And though the gag is kind of corny, he brought rain from California. That's the way we got the Gulf of Mexico. Aha! Uh -huh. yeah, 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 yeah. oh, the toughest oh, west of the Alamo. Once a band of rustlers stole a herd of cattle. But they didn't know the herd they stole was Bill's. Well, when he caught them crooked villains, why, he knocked out all their pillin'. And that is why there's gold in them by him. He knew he'd never reach the border if he didn't get some water, so he got a stick and dug the real grand. So he While tribe of painted Indians did a war dance, Pecos started shooting up their little game. He gave his Redskins such a shakeout while they jumped out of the makeup. That's the way the painted desert got its name. So Once he roped a raging cyclone out of nowhere, and he straddled it and settled down with ease. While the cyclone bucked and flitted, Pecos ruled a smoke and lit it, and he tamed that every wind down to a breeze. So you be a hey, 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 h
swam the ocean, flew to Paris. And he swam the ship to Paris. That dancer gave old Bill a willy, so he roped them a little filly. That is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then... Gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.